Hello everyone and welcome to another daily objective. Today we have I'm co-hosting with Josh Dixon. So Josh is a psychologist and he's also running Resurface UK, which is a program which is based around the idea of overcoming trauma and building resilience. Although I'll probably have to let uh, Josh to talk a bit about himself at the, at the beginning. But first, let me introduce the topic and why I think that Josh is in a good position to discuss it with us. So the topic today is the TV series, The Last Dance. So this was a Netflix and ESPN production about the last year of the last title of the Chicago Bulls in the 98-99 season, and mostly about the brilliance of Michael Jordan. Now, why is this an interesting topic, even for those of you who don't follow basketball? And for the UK audience, I realize basketball is not that big. I think this show was one of the two big, let's say, cultural moments of this year. Two of these things that almost everyone saw or almost everyone was talking about. The one was Joker and the other was The Last Dance. And it's interesting because I see them almost as opposite in terms of their view of life. So we're going to discuss some of the characteristics that look like were the thing that made Michael Jordan the greatest of all times and a one in a millennium or okay, one in a century athlete. Because it's very rare in a sport to have almost an unquestionable consensus of who was the greatest. And this is the case with Michael Jordan. So, Josh, I'm going to give you five characteristics of Jordan. And I sure. want you to tell us what, like, what is your, let's say, professional or your understanding as someone who is interested on living a fulfilling life and living a life of purpose. And the first is his consistency but related to what quite often you mention as resilience and which is something that you promote through your program. So we see that throughout his career, Jordan hasn't got everything handed to play to him, right? He gets rejected at some point from, I think, the high school team. He spends many years without winning a title. He bumps to the bad boys of Detroit Pistons, which was, if you know basketball, he was one of the most difficult to defeat team, one of the harshest teams. Personal tragedies, like his, his, his father. So changing at some point a coach and going to another coach who says, you're going to be part of another system, the triangle offense. So it's not just about you. It's about making the whole thing work. And yet we see him rising through these challenges and actually coming up a better competitor and a better player after every challenge. So what do we learn about, about being consistent and more importantly about being resilient? Well, I think it's a great question. I think, um, I think you, you see this exemplified in the program, but also you'll see this in many, I think you would find the same with Pele in soccer or football. You'd find uh, Kelly Slater in surfing 11 times world champion. He's considered the goat in that sport, etc. that they all share this, you know, resilience skills and resilience is defined in psychology or one way of defining it is the ability to draw upon internal and external resources. Now, watching that documentary, you could see that Michael Jordan had very strong, high self-esteem. Yeah, and he was able to draw upon the fact that he knew, he knew his limits, he knew his skill level, he knew himself incredibly well. He probably taken some, he probably took a very conscious 
sort of inventory of himself consistently and what, what did I need to improve internally? But also what I noticed is, he, you know, he was not afraid to reach out and ask for help from others. You know, he had a strong team around him. He had, you know, his nowadays, I know the, you know, the top athletes, they have nutritionists, they have physiotherapists, they have chiropractors, they have all sorts of people that they are willing to engage with. You know, Michael Jordan, you could see how important his security team was for him. And a lot of people focused on the fact that he needed to beat them playing that coin game. But I think he, he just needed to have people he trusted and, and enjoyed their company, etc. So I think that, I think you really saw that in that program of, of how important it is to have a, a wide range of resources to draw upon and, and, and to know them. And that's a common misunderstanding to people who say, Oh, if you support individualism, you know, you don't want a team. I mean, even if you think like the arts example of individualism, Howard Rourke has a team around him. He has the sculpture, he has that worker, he has Dominic. Like, yeah. being, being an individualist doesn't mean that you don't have people you need and love and trust around you. Yeah, all so value. I, I think we could, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, the, just all the things that you value. Yeah, and, and you know, why, why would an individualist value have friends and and all these people around because there is such high value to them yeah you know other people are of, are, are of, of such high value in my life and probably in your life and and most people at the end of their life they say the most important things to them are their work and their relationships yeah and we see also this quote human face of jordan with his father with his friends so that's a good way to kind of destroy yeah. the myth about this supposed dichotomy between in the individual and the others. Yeah, now, the second, the second trait is this culture that Jordan built of no excuses. So he could have many excuses. In the beginning would be, oh, that season I had that injury. Then I don't have good teammates. I'm basically the only good player in the team. Then all oh, the Detroit Pistons really are playing hard. Then it could be like, oh, you know, I had this personal tragedy, leave me alone. Mm. Then it would be, like, the most shocking thing about the last season is that the team environment was very unhealthy. They had this huge vendetta with Jerry Krause, the general manager, and Scotty Pippen, the number two, knew already he would leave. They knew basically it was the last season of them as a team. And yet, he wouldn't find excuses. And that's something in stark contrast with today's society where we're constantly trying to find excuses. Capitalism, my environment, my background, mm. my, you know, the, the, the patriarchy, whatever. So what do we learn about this kind of no excuses mentality? Well, I, th- what's immediately coming to my mind is, is free will. You know, that I, I have choices in this and I can make choices and I have agency. You know, if, if it was really that bad, Michael Jordan being who he was would have left. You know, he was, so he was able to make these decisions himself and act upon them and, and, and make, a, make a rational decision. Um, it reminds me a lot of the work that I've done in the past and I continue to do is working in addiction. And in a, when you're working with addicts in a very early recovery or in treatment, everything is everyone else's fault. They, they often say, a great mentor of mine called Dr. Robert Fever would often say that the only sort of emotions left to the using addict to self-pity and blame. And one of the most transformative aspects of recovery from a mental health issue like addiction is learning personal responsibility. And 
that's the only way you're going to get through it you know and and the the big question often in that is is to someone that who is in that self-piteous and blaming place is just to say and you know to michael jordan he he was not the only person in the team suffering from all these external consequences uh, external influences going on and if he if he whined i hope his his uh, teammates would have said and we're all in this together you know and i think that's a really important thing to to notice he's the only person who can really do anything about it about your own life and your own situation is you and you know as you as you, resp- as you responded I reported just then about you know we see in our culture i think i think this has been in every culture i think i think what's happened is social media has just really brought out stuff that's been there for years but there are many people out there who will never be satisfied because everything is always about what's out there and not what's 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 inside here and i think fundamentally that comes down to do you believe in free will or not i listened to that gina gorlin and um diana can't pronounce their surnames debate the other day i listened to it when i was on holiday and um you know it's such an important concept and such an important um necessity to flourish and i think that's that's fundamentally what's going on now i doubt michael jordan sees it in those to him it would be so obvious that uh it wouldn't be a discussion in the same way that in that podcast i think diana was saying it was so obvious to her that free will didn't exist that she'd never really thought about it but I think for, you know, for someone like Michael Jordan that, yeah, you're the only one, you're the person who, who has choices here all the way through. And I like how in Atlas Rugged, Ayn Rand concretizes this attitude with a, with a line, which quite often we hear from the bad guys. I couldn't help it. I couldn't yeah. help it, Mr. Redder. And we have to say, because we've had some technical issues in our previews in our Friday show, we, we were not, we're not going to tell you we couldn't help it. What we're going to tell you is we're experimenting with the idea of moving more of our stuff on YouTube live rather than on Facebook live. So if our viewers want, feel free to leave us a comment below whether you think this would be a better setup or you'd prefer the show to remain on Facebook live or where, where you prefer to, let's say, consume the material we, we'll create. But in any way, we're going to try to keep uh, improving and not blaming technology or whatever technical issues. Yeah, yeah. So the third... I mean, something, that, I'll just say, something I'll just yeah. say about that, and I mentioned Kelly Slater earlier in terms of surfing. There's a fantastic documentary called Momentum Generation, and it's about a generation of American surfers who broke through in the 80s because surfing was dominated by the Australians before then. And Kelly Slater came from a broken home, alcoholic father, um, but, you know, beaten up yeah, by his brother, etc. I don't think badly, but, you know, just a rough and tumble, poor neighborhood. And he looked at all these guys in this program, it wasn't just him. And, and so many of them came from broken homes that nearly all of them had an alcoholic or addicted parent, etc. And none of them were blaming that. They were, they, it was just part of, of their makeup and, and they still believed they had choices and, and could 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 break through that and i think that's that's what's essential there is that's that's very important specifically me coming from the discipline of teaching social science at the university which is basically at the center of it is the idea that 
structures influence you more than you influencing yourself on the world. So words to, to live by. Now, the third interesting trait is competition. And a lot of people, I think, understand this in the wrong way. So Michael John was super competitive. And he was always trying to find a reason, basically, to destroy you as an opponent. So if someone dared to make the mistake to trust talk to him, we had stories by Reggie Miller or Kevin Durant, sorry, not Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett, that they really, they, they, they were, they really realized it was a big mistake to, to, to kind of try to poke Michael Jordan. But here's the interesting thing for me. Jordan was always trying to find a reason to be better and, mm. quote, destroy you on the floor. I don't think if Michael Jordan would see on the parking lot, let's say someone who trusts talking, he would care after the game. It's not like that incident, you know, like, you know, you jump to an airplane and go to another continent to beat a guy up because you have uh, some beef with that guy. I think it was mostly an inner process. It was like a rush. It was almost, it wasn't I want to prove to the world or I want to prove to that guy. It's I want to find this fuel from within to become even, even better. So is it healthy then to be very, very competitive? Or is it a second-hand kind of approach to life? I, well, I've, I was just thinking, you know, the people who are really, com I think where com competitiveness breaks down is when you're not able to uh, apply the context. So, I, you know, there are some people who I remember from school who were really competitive and it was, you really wanted that on the football field. But when it came to sort of, more social situations etc and they kept bringing that that in that inability to sort of switch that the sports off when the context uh decided that that's what was needed um i find i find that uh i used to personally find that really irritating but something that i've i've just realized talking with you just now listening to you just now is i think and you see this in other sports as well i've seen it um you'd see it in cricket sometimes that you know one of the things that happens in cricket is the batsman's out there and, and people, fielders will say things. And sometimes it'll put them off and they'll get out. And sometimes it would be like, there were certain people, like you said, never, never sledge this person because then they're going to punish you. But I think what's actually going on is when someone is doing something like that, say in the Michael Jordan, you know, documentary, which you saw a few times, what that does to a player like Jordan is it increases his focus. He'll become slightly adrenalized and slightly under attack, but he, will, he won't become so overwhelmed that he fails. will actually help enhance the focus needed to play well. And, uh, and then, you know, I've spoken many times about flow states, etc. Flow states require focus. And, and, and sometimes someone really having a go at you probably enabled someone like Jordan to, to, to get in the zone even more. And that's why it's counter. I don't think it's, you know, I think the competitiveness is actually maybe what people are seeing from above, but actually what's going on is these certain situations are raising his game because he's like, okay, this person's on my case. I'm going to have to focus even more now. And mentioning flow, I have to say, so during the difficult months of the lockdown, the Anron Center, and this was one great idea that Razi had, he was, uh, the Iron Center was running every Saturday, basically a web meetup with you, Josh. And yeah. I encourage people to go and watch these, uh, these episodes in Iron Run Center's YouTube channel. So you talked about flow, but also you talked about resilience under difficult times. 
So what I did there is what I do quite often nowadays, which I have the Evernote uh, page and I was keeping notes throughout this and I was keeping these things. And also you gave very interesting sources. So I encourage people to have a look because Josh is, I don't want to say an expert because this term sounds almost cheesy, but I will say an expert on issues like how to cope and, and actually not cope only, but thrive and in difficult situations. So I encourage you to follow his work, but also follow these meetups. Now, the fourth thing, and which is my favorite one, is not being afraid to be disliked. And we see this in two ways. We see this through his relationship with his teammates and also how he didn't mind the controversy. So, and this became, this became clear on that story that he didn't endorse this black candidate in Chicago. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have endorsed him, but what I'm saying is, he said, that was my decision, you know, I stand by it. Today, it would be almost unimaginable that mm. there would be all this pushback. But the way where it is, let's say, unquestionable, controversial, is how he treated his teammates. And his lines were, his line from the story was, winning has a price and leadership has a price. So I put, so I pulled people on when they didn't want to be pulled. And if you read stuff about Michael Jordan, there are many, many, many stories about how harsh he was with his teammates. And yet I think this is something which is not necessarily a vice. So I want your comment A on that, but also something that I, I never understood. The only moment he became very, very emotional on the show was not even when talk, he was talking about his father. He cried when he was talking about that and he said, break. So he burst into tears when he was talking about how people didn't understand that the way he was so, let's say, bad, quote, quote, unquote, unquote, because for me that wasn't bad, that he was harsh and uh, fierce to his teammates, that this was something that was misunderstood. So what do you make of this kind of not being afraid to push people? And also, why did you think he had this emotional reaction to the criticism? Well, I think, um, let's start with the second question first. I think he had that emotional reaction because maybe he got some of that wrong. And uh -huh. maybe, or maybe he has some areas in there that he hasn't really worked through yet. But, and uh, he maybe he, his response to that may be misguided. I, but what I think I saw there is, is someone who, I think Michael Jordan would understand that anyone can only but only be the best that they can be and i think ayn rand you know talks about this sometimes that if, if all you can be is a road sweeper be the best road sweeper that you can possibly be and he clearly knew how good he was yeah and you know as i said right at the beginning he had very 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 solid self-esteem particularly in basketball and i think that he he knew he knew what it takes to be the best that you can be and I think that he saw the best in some of his, play, his teammates as well and wanted them to be the best that they can be. And maybe some of the emotion there was that he wasn't allowing them that autonomy or not. I don't know. But I think, I think it was coming from a, a really good place. The best within me. I see the best within me and I want the best within you. And maybe he made mistakes with that and maybe there were times. I mean, 
I cannot imagine what the pressure must be like to be Michael Jordan or, or um, anyone like that. You know, when you saw Imagine that he was the face of the team, of the league, of the sport itself, yeah. of Nike, of McDonald's. Like, we get stressed because we say, oh, I, had this, I have this important day at work tomorrow. Imagine being the face of all these billion-dollar businesses. Yeah, no, totally. And I think there's probably an element of, come on, guys, we've all got to pull in here as well. And, uh, and also maybe there's an element of you're letting me down sometimes as well. And I think that was all fair enough. I mean, I, I, quite a few of my clients watched it and not, not one of them, and who found it really beneficial and, and inspiring for them, not one of them mentioned uh, that they thought he was too harsh. Yeah. yeah. They, they said they, they saw someone who was incredibly driven and wanted the best in, in themselves and the best out of the teammates. But also, he, I, think he, I think he probably was using some, some sort of reverse psychology on his teammates as well. And maybe that worked for some and not for others. Yeah, um, and with Scott Barrell, who, who was kind of his buddy, but also the guy who'd usually get all the abuse... There's a story in uh, Tim Grovers, who was his personal tra- Jordan's personal coach. Uh, his book is called Relentless. And there are some even harsher stories with Tim Barr, like, which include even like physical violence. Like he, once he destroyed kind of the table on which he was having a massage. And he said, every, every, every muscle and bone of my body is aching and we're having a massage. Come in here and trade. But again, I think now that... Scott Barrell looks back. I'm sure there's an element of his, his, who, who, which says, I wish I had listened more and yeah. trained a bit harder. I would be a better player. Now, we are, we are out of time, so, but I want to ask you one more question. So the last trade I, ha- I, I had was hard work, and I have plenty of stories, but I'll skip the stories, and I'll ask you one question. Many people, that's why I said this TV series was like a cultural moment. Mm. We watched The Last Dance and we got very inspired. We got inspired to wake up a bit earlier tomorrow morning, you know, not to procrastinate. But then slowly this flame goes out. Yeah. How can you keep this inspiration and this flame burning and not just be a hero worshiper, but turn this inspiration to you becoming basically, you know, a, a big achiever yourself? But yeah, what you're talking about there is, is grit. And grit is a form of resilience. And Angela Duckworth, who's the, the world expert on grit, and I really highly recommend her, her book that you, you would see in all major bookstores. It's, it's just, it's always there on the, you know. What's the name of the book? Grit. 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 And grit is defined as, as passion for long-term goals. So what... what what is going on with someone who's really gritty is they, they just have that in focus all the time. They have their values hierarchy, always conscious, and they're working towards that. And um, it's really worth studying grit. It's very interesting about, uh, it's all about, you know, having good goals, goal setting skills and, and, and developing your hierarchy of values there. And I think that's what um, gritty people are always able to hold that in mind at all times. And I think when those of us who are, who are maybe not so good at that, the, the goal slips from mind from time for time, you know, it's like, even with sort of temptations, etc. it's like, well, what, what is it I want to, oh, well, I'm going on holiday in, in two weeks and I want to be super fit to 
I don't know, play volleyball or whatever it is. I'm not going to eat this, but I'm going to, I'm going to consider, I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm going to, all these sorts of things, because you're holding that, 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 that goal in mind all the time. And it's when that goal slips that it's like, oh, I lost, I lost, I lost track that week because that, that, I let that slip out of mind. And I think that's that driven, yeah, really having that clear driven focus around what your goals are is what helps maintain grit. But it, it grit's such a big subject within resilience. I think it's really worth del- diving into. It's it's fascinating subject because what um, Angela Duckworth has shown in her research is that effort counts more than anything else. It counts more than skill. It counts more than IQ, talent, etc. Effort is the most important factor in any form of um, long-term achievement and accomplishment yeah and again if you if you know anything about basketball for example think about larry bird like the, the his talent or his you know the plasticity of his move was not there and yet through greed he became one of the greatest of all time there's so many yeah. so many examples so just uh, people who want to know more about some of the things you mentioned today and about your work where can they follow you I think the best the best uh, way to follow is on Instagram, which is uh, so it's just a resurface UK on Instagram. That's that's probably the the, the most active form of social media that I'm right. on, and I post links and quotations and and things there. I think that's the best. You can find us on Facebook as well, but it, it's all directed through through. Um, I, I kind of avoid Twitter because of the nature of Twitter. Yeah, um, but let me say also that your work has also gained mainstream uh, let's say appeal so you can find uh, references to resurface also in big newspapers where they cover the 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 very interesting things that you do and how you help people so speaking about groups that do interesting things the iron center uk today has in around half an hour 35 minutes a very interesting discussion with uh, elan giorno about human rights and individual rights in the middle east and again, we're experimenting with different platforms. So today we're going to, hope I'm not mistaken and Raz is not going to be furious, but I'm almost sure we are live streaming on YouTube. And so go to YouTube to Iron Run Center UK's channel and hopefully you will see today's meetup live stream there again with Alain Zurno on Middle East and Human Rights. Seven o'clock UK time. From me and my co-host, Josh, all the best and see you soon. Yeah, see you soon.